This program is sponsored by Wicked, Chronic, and Natick, Massachusetts. Located in 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. And welcome to Goth Girl Horror, the Hackslash podcast. Hackslash is a comic book series created by Tim Seeley and currently published by Image Comics. Hackslash tells the story of Cassie Hack and her sidekick Vlad, an unconventional duo who travel the country hunting down slashers. I'm your co-host, Serena. And I'm your host, Dr. Chris. And on today's episode, we're going to be discussing the second issue of Hackslash titled Girls Gone Dead, which was originally published in October 2004 by Devil's Due Publishing. Girls Gone Dead opens up at a spring break beach party where we follow a young couple about to have a roll on the sand when someone creeps up spouting sinner and fornicator before cracking one upside the head with a large bejeweled cross. Two days later... Little Girls Gone Wild music there for anybody that's not aware that Girls Gone Dead is a parody of Girls Gone Wild. I love it, though. The music is so beachy. It gets you in the mood to take your top off. So... Girl, <laughs> two days later, we see our intrepid heroes, Cassie and Vlad, working as a hotel cleaning crew discussing whether there is a slasher on the loose as two girls walking by discuss the upcoming Girls Gone Dead beach house party. Elsewhere, we finally see that someone who attacked our couple on the beach is Father Wrath, an opposing figure wearing a clerical collar and white mask. He isn't alone, though, as we see him being chastised for going out alone earlier. Cassie and Vlad are planning their investigation, deciding to go door-to-door through the hotels and see if anything feels suspicious. After a few very wrong rooms, which are some of my favorite panels ever, because these are some wild panels that they stumbled upon. I do wonder what the uh, research was like for that. The midgets? Are you into midgets? Probably, absolutely, in no offensive way, going to comment. (laughs) Are we no, talking about I absolutely love... Are we talking about, like, would I date a person of uh, small stature? Short stature. Uh, that is true, a little person. Probably not my type. Let's just leave it at that. Not even if some oil is involved? You know, a little tarp on the floor action? The plot line. <laughs> oh, after a few very wrong rooms, they stumble upon what they think they're looking for, but before Cassie can find anything, she's interrupted by a young woman entering the room. Cassie quickly ducks into a closet, only to find that she isn't alone. Father Rath is in the closet with her, but doesn't seem to notice she's there, despite standing right in front of her. Cassie bursts from the closet, fist first, knocking the woman to the ground. Cassie bursts from the closet, fist first, knocking the woman, whose name is Laura, to the ground. Laura mutters something in a foreign language, and Father Rath comes to her rescue. 
Realizing she can't beat him, Cassie bursts through a window and runs back to Vlad. After some digging, Cassie and Vlad learn that Father Rath was a racist and homophobic preacher who liked to dress as a woman. He was killed by a young assistant he tried to get a bit handsy with, and Laura somehow found a way to bring him back. Cassie and Vlad quickly realize that if they don't stop him, the Girls Gone Dead beach house party is going to be a bloodbath. Later, we find Cassie at the party being offered a drink and preferring iced tea instead, while Laura lures a young man back to her room where Father Rath kills him. She instructs him to collect as much of the man's blood as he can as it's needed for their final spell. Back at the party, Cassie soon realizes that iced tea was of the Long Island variety, and Vlad, who is on lookout duty, senses something is amiss and finds a way into the party while Cassie dances and kisses her way through the night. Laura and Father Rath finish their spell, sealing the doors and locking everyone inside the beach house. Upstairs, Father Rath tries to kill a group of hot tubbers, but Vlad intervenes and, escape, and they escape, running downstairs, warning everyone. While Vlad is fighting Father Rath upstairs, Laura appears downstairs and shoots Cassie's dance partner. We soon learn that Laura found the spellbook to bring Father Rath back after her ex, Jeremy, fucked the winner of a spring break wet t-shirt contest, which inflamed her wrath. Vlad's fight with Father Rath ends with a satisfying splack as Vlad beats the preacher with his own cross. Downstairs, Cassie grabs the gun and shoots a hole through the spellbook when Laura uses it to shield herself. She then finishes Laura off by dousing her with liquor and hurling a candle at her, which proceeds to set the whole house on fire. Vlad whisks Cassie out of the house, and we later see her waking up, albeit a bit hungover, on the beach with Vlad as the sun comes up. Cassie apologizes to Vlad for partaking in the carefree behavior at the party. The issue concludes with our heroes walking off along the beach, contemplating whether or not it is good for people to like them, despite hiding their true faces from them. And round, round, get around, I get around, yeah, get around, round, round, I get around, I get around. That song always reminds me of the beach by the Beast Boys. By the Beach Boys, I get around. Me too. Yeah, usually played in conjunction with beach-themed movies and television shows. When you see people going to the beach, this is the song used more often than California Girls or Wouldn't It Be Nice or something. It is. It's got the beat. It's got the little the instruments. They're very beachy. Yeah, and uh, although I don't think the song has anything to do with the beach, no, but Does the it? Beach Boys is in the name. <laughs> oh, uh, there you go. One of the best uses of the song, I think, is in the movie Flight of the Navigator when uh, the little boy is trying to teach the alien uh, what rock and roll is, and the alien is like played. Vo- the alien is the is the sh- ship itself, voiced by uh, the, uh, the 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 Pee Wee Herman actor. David, what were those strange sounds? Strange sounds. From the geek's car. Wow. Well, that's called music. I want to hear more music. Can you pick up radio waves? I'm equipped to receive over two million forms of radio waves. I can monitor all frequencies of electricity. Okay, okay. See if you can pick up some signals that sound like what we heard. No, that's not music. Try another station. Change it quick. Hold it. Now this is music. I'm getting bumped right up and down the same old strip. I gotta find it. 
I'm drawing a blank when it comes to what his name is. Uh, Paul Rubens. That guy. That yeah, one. Paul yes. Rubens uh, voiced this alien spaceship in The Flight of the Navigator, which is a Disney movie, and a very good Disney movie, too, about a kid who who uh, jumps five years in the future, like ten years into the future, and his parents and everyone else thought he completely disappeared. <laughs> so starting out with the cover, Girls Gone Dead has two covers. Yes. This one is one by, of my favorite covers of all the Hack Slashes. One by Tim Seeley and Sunder Ra, and one by Crank. Yes. The one by Crank... Which is, is one of my favorite cover artists in all of Hack Slash. I really like Crank. The Crank one is kind of like a photo shoot cover. Mm-hmm. And then this one we have Vlad with green skin, as his skin color changes, depending on the artist, mm-hmm. and Cassie, um, Vlad being a little bit overdressed for the beach. Cassie fitting right in coming up on a girl who's got blood on her t-shirt and she's got upside down a heart shape on her panties rather weird design on the outfit on the front cover i think i don't think so i mean there's not much outfit there but i think it's fine it's now, the beach is she ha- is this supposed to this isn't supposed to be laura right this is just a victim and she's stabbed in the chest i think so because laura is supposed to be all um catholic very prim and proper i don't think this is something I'd see her in. Right, right. So right at the beginning, we get the credits by Tim Seeley, Stefano Caselli Productions, writer Tim Seeley, and this time, penciler Federica Frederica Manfredi. Manfredi. Do we have any information on him? No, but Federica sounds like a girl to me. Federica has worked on Star Trek, Amazing Fantasy, Hack Slash, of course, Angel After the Fall, the Marvel Official Handbook, True Blood, and many other comic books. Nice. Yeah, some of which I've read, some of which I haven't. Angel After the Fall was a comic book that took place after uh, the events of the fifth season of Angel. Was there only five seasons? Yep. Was? Oh, cool. Well, I didn't know that. They lasted one season past Buffy, but Buffy was seven seasons. Oh, that's right. That's right. So. I heard something recently about them bringing it back. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Or wait, no, the comic book, I mean. Oh, yeah, that has already been a thing by Dark Horse. They went, like, to yeah. season 11? No, in the, because the new Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic book. Boom Studios, and, like, the yeah, Weed they're talking about Boom Studios. Yeah, they brought it back, but they restarted it. Yeah, and I think they're going to read, uh star angel too anyways moving on colorist david amici with fabio mantoviani and special thanks to <laughs> david massini letterers by marshall dillon graphic design by mike norton produced by devil do publishing president josh blaylock mike norton marshall dillon tim city chris crank sean dove susan bishop and sam wells also all have credits on it uh we open up like your typical spring break girls gone wild type of situation party on the beach. Did Girls Gone Wild ever come to where you live? Yes, they did. Many, many times. I grew up on a beach town. St. Pete Beach. It was always a really big spring break destination. So, yeah, the Girls Gone Wild bus was out there quite a bit. And you quite did not bit. partake. 
No, I did not partake at all. Girls but Gone I Wild, did have some friends that did. Girls Gone Wild started in 1997 and was direct response, uh, directed DVD. The videos typically involve camera crews at party location engaging in young college-age girls who expose their bodies and act wild, especially during spring break. This, I believe, is supposed to be the summer or spring break. The company went bankrupt in 2013. Did they really? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Girls Gone Wild like became incredibly popular when Eminem and Snoop Dogg would make appearances. Mm-hmm. Which is fitting for their music to it... be associated with spring break. Yeah. Uh, several women have, of course, claimed emotional distress and sued Girls Gone Wild for causing it. They, of course, were settled out of court with very little damages to Girls Gone Wild due to the fact that all waivers and signed, these were, there was paperwork signed by, by the, the participants. Sign on the dotted line. There you go. In, in doing some research for the podcast, you know, I hadn't watched a Girls Gone Wild video in a million years. Again, I thought it was mostly show your boobs and do a little, little touchy-feely on yourself. But a lot of the Girls Gone Wild videos went full core, full hardcore triple X. Yeah. With tongues. Well, I mean, when it first came out, it was like, you know, just girls showing some boobs and whatnot. And like, they were just lucky to like get these girls to show them boobs. But then after a while, it kind of became like a badge of honor to get into these videos. So girls just started doing wilder and wilder stuff because just showing your boobs wasn't cutting it anymore. It was a competition. Who could be in the video? It got involved. And it was like you get a t-shirt for doing it. And then I think the t-shirt thing kind of went away. And it was just like, I'm drunk enough to do this. Or my friends and I have fooled around before. Let's go full-blown hardcore triple X on camera. And, oh, hey, do you have toys too? Yeah, because they they ended up having the Girls Gone Wild bus, I remember, that would come. And then I don't know what happened behind those bus doors. But I've heard about things happening. And... Don't go in there with a black light. That's all I'm going to say. The, uh, there's one girl who doesn't hang out with her friends and decides to go off with a guy who actually kind of treats her pretty well. So she's like, okay, I'll fuck you because you were a nice guy to me. <laughs> and that's, wh- that's when the right? both of them get killed by uh, our, good, our, good, uh, our good father, our good, our good man in the cloth. <laughs> father Wrath. Yeah. And I really like his uh, weapon that he uses, the big, the jeweled cross. I thought it was very fitting. The jeweled cross reminds me a little bit of the cross in the movie um, John Carpenter's Vampires. There's a cross that the uh, yes, it does. The vampire needs in order to bring about like eternal darkness. Mm-hmm. Now this is a cross-dressing serial killer. We've had cross-dressing serial killers. Two big ones come to mind, of course, are based kind of on the same thing. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Psycho are both based on Ed Gein. Mm-hmm. And they were cross-dressing serial killers. Yes, and he has the mask kind of in the same vein as Leatherface. A little bit. He's got an imposing look to him because of, like, the tears on the mask and everything. With the blonde, like, you know, tied up hair. I thought that was really interesting. But before we get there, I like how in the... when When they're showing the Girls Gone Wild videos as Cassie and Vlad are, you know, doing their research. Vlad, by the way, in the comic book looks like he has brown or gray skin, even though on the cover he has green skin. Yeah, he does. There is a girl in the upper left-hand corner of the of the page where she looks like a little nice schoolgirl or teacher, and then the next panel she is ripping her shirt open with her boob, her nipples blurted out. Hey, that's how it happens, isn't it? You know, uh, all no. the button-down ladies—they're secretly just waiting to rip their shirts open. The terrifyingness of the stuff that Cassie happens to witness in the hotel rooms is pretty damn funny. It is. 
I still can't figure out what in the, not the pork rinds one, but the panel underneath that, like, what are, like, the boobs falling off the bed? What are those? The boobs falling off the bed. Oh. I, it looks like round things with no Maybe they're... Boobs, like... Maybe it's butt implants, like uh, uh, beads, or no, those are on the floor. I don't know. Like, there's definitely nipples there. <laughs> like, they're supposed to be fake nipples? Like, fake know. boobs? Maybe they're like, I don't know. It's one of those things that, in all of my 31 years, I'm still like, whoa, what's that? So <laughs> I haven't seen those before. Cassie finds the uh, the, home, the, uh, the, the, the hotel room of this zombified, you know, preacher and of course the uh the person controlling him, laura is like all dressed up very like conservative and everything but it's funny that the uh the attacking and the action doesn't happen until she gets down to her bra and panties and that's when cassie comes out <laughs> well i mean she had to wait for her to be you know in a moment of weakness which when you're in your underwear you're at your weakest we get to the origin story, which again is done in this kind of like off color kind of uh, way at least in the floppies how is it in the omnibus it is a little bit off color as well, which I really think that I like how they do that. The way you can tell that these panels happened in the past and not current events. Also for a preacher, he's got a pretty buff body. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> yeah, that's like and a tattoo. You know, I just noticed, is that a tattoo when he's dressing up like the woman in the mirror? It could be or it could be something like wrapped around the arm, kind of like Xena would have, like a bracelet. Yeah. Laura summons Father Wrath to kill a couple more sinners. Basically, anybody sitting on Spring Break is going to be killed. Cassie dresses mm-hmm. like everyone else at Spring Break, wearing her bathing suit, and then like a... Uh, what, is, what is that that women wear around their bottom half? A sarong. Okay. And then she gets uh, drunk and makes out with a girl. Isn't that what's supposed to happen at Spring Break? You tell me. I've heard. I've heard that's what's supposed to happen. I'm just going by what I hear. You know what I mean? Right, I was right. more of the Catholic stay at home. But she's not just drunk. She's also home. been drugged too, which is, you know, no, no. No. Yeah, no. Not good. As also, Kathy's like, getting... one thing I noticed, though, is that Vlad's head in this issue is incredibly misshapen. Yeah, but later on in, in other issues, sometimes his head is normally, you know, very round. But in, in right? when you get to the ongoing series, his head is very misshapen. I don't know. That was just something that really stuck out to me. And is he wearing, like, a different mask than he was in the first issue? It seems that way, doesn't it? Kind of does. Maybe he's got an accessory bag, different masks, different climates. You never know. Uh, so I like how they pair up the um, our heroes with the bad guys. Vlad, of course, tax Father Wraith, Cassie, and Laura fight. Yeah. Father like Wraith and, Ka- and Vlad both have the same skin color. They do. We do have that going on again, don't we? A little bit, a little bit. Now, do you did you happen to catch what horror scream queen Cassie mentions? No, I didn't. Please enlighten me. She mentions Leanna Quigley, which I'm pretty sure I'm saying that name correctly. She's best known for Summer Camp, Graduation Day, Return of the Living Dead, Nightmare Sisters, Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, and Night of the Demons and many, many, many other films. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master, you might not see her as she is, but she's one of the souls in Freddy's chest, and she had no problem showing off of her body, which she had an amazing body back then. And in in the 
sequence with Freddy's chest, they had to have all these people mm-hmm. naked writhing around and pushing up against his chest to try to escape. In the movie Night of the Demons, she puts on lipstick and then pushes the lipstick right into her tit. I know that. That's how I know her. I Night of the Demons is one of my absolute favorites. And I six, love that movie. And at the age of 60, she is still working today, having recently appeared in Bone Hill Road, which is a directed DVD horror movie about a werewolf done with practical effects. And I actually had the werewolf on my... Uh, sorry, I had the director of that werewolf movie on my show. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah, but she is still making uh, direct, uh, like, crappy B-rated horror movies to this very day. <laughs> hey, if that's what makes you happy, then you go, girl. Yeah. Again, they're a mixed bag of really good and really bad, so... But she's a very nice person if you ever have a chance to meet her in person. You know what we forgot to mention is that Vlad's way of sneaking into the party is he dresses up in this... What is that? Like a purple or a blue... What is that costume he's wearing? Uh, Flamies? Flammies? Flammies. Flammy? That's, that's the name of it. Maybe it's the symbol for Girls Gone, you know, the, the Girls Gone Wild parody. Maybe. So, yeah, he, like, ends up fighting the first part of this fight into the party in a big flammy costume. She freaks out when Cassie uses a gun on the book. Again, one of the few times we usually see Cassie use a book. Of course, then the preacher is killed by Vlad's uh, signature inhuman strength as well as his giant cross. Yes. Are you sure he's dead, though? Because it doesn't exactly say... Well, we know that, she, that we, we, we're we led to believe that the, the cross smashed his skull in, but the splack blocks it out. But we obviously know Laura comes back. If you're a fan of the uh, comic books and you have read most of them, you know what happens to Laura. But we're not going to get into it just yet. No. I like that they purposely didn't seem to show exactly what was being splacked when Vlad was beating the uh, Father Wrath. They left that one off scene. Maybe for a reason. The last time we see Laura... Or is it Laura or Lori? Lori? Laura? Laura. Laura. She's on the far left hand of the second panel down on one of the last few pages screaming, ah, as she is being set on fire. But just before that, Classy says, hey, I think we're having a wet t-shirt contest, as Laura is distracted by her bosom being shown through the uh, the her liquor-soaked uh, white button-down shirt. Yes. Which and, I think and is like purposely little... to like represent that she just got herself a wet t-shirt contest and she just got done killing people who would partake in a wet t-shirt contest. I did like that little bit of irony. I thought it was pretty funny. Cassie eventually wakes up and apologizes to Vlad for the way that she acted because she got drunk. And but yes. However, she kind of liked the way she was because she was normal and people liked her and she does have certain feelings that it's not always great to be who she is. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, I think you do start sensing this little bit of internal conflict that she seems to have. Mm-hmm. And then um, you might not get it in the omnibus, but it might be in the back of the omnibus. We have two pinups. Now, comic book pinups, for anyone not familiar with what that is, they would give you pieces of artwork that you would tear out of the comic book and put on your wall. And I did this a couple times with a couple issues of The Amazing Spider-Man until I got older and realized, not a good idea if you want to maintain the value <laughs> of your comic book. Weren't you just saying in last week or that could and enjoy? Yeah, to be read, but not tear pages out of. <laughs> read them, enjoy them, but don't tear pages out of them. Okay. All right. So the I first... do have one. Um, I do have a pinup in the back. Oh, who uh, is it by Adi Salman or Stefano Caselli and Sundar Ra? I don't know. It doesn't have a name on it, but it's like Cassie running through. It says Girls Gone Naughty in the background, and there's a bunch of slashers around her. Oh, okay. Let me... Uh... Oh, I can't bring up the omnibus because my phone just died. But I'll, uh, if you have the omnibus, 
why don't you find a picture of that and post it on the Twitter? I will. For anyone who doesn't ah! have for anyone who doesn't have the omnibus, Serena will post a picture from the omnibus. We'll <laughs> find a picture online, not just take a picture, because the picture online probably yeah. would be better scanned in. But again, the yeah, two I have terrible. are Cassie and Vlad back to back. Oh, and then again, I have one by Steven, Stefano Caselli, who was the artist last issue, and she is sitting in Vlad's like Hulk-like arm because he looks like the Hulk wearing a hockey mask. As she is like, like, kind of blocking the sun out of her eyes, looking around. And oh, some... I have that one. And there's the redhead on the left with the top that says something tits. Yeah, and then of course the guy's pouring the beer on the girl below him, and it's literally falling right on her tits. Yep. And then there's yep, somebody yep. behind the guy with the with the piercings, throwing a beer up in the air. He's got red hair, and but hey, all you hey. see is her red picky pippy long stockings hair and one tit with its nipple poking out. <laughs> I just noticed that. So, I wasn't sure that that boob went to that head. Okay. What's your boob doing over there, girl? Um, I also want to point out that the artist decided to draw the camel toe on the front cover for the girl in the bikini, in the bikini bottoms. Yes, um, I can't believe you didn't mention that, and I thought that was hilarious. There is an artist that I absolutely adore, who you saw may have saw pictures of me meeting him and his wife at the Hall of Comic Books on our Twitter page, Goth Girl Horror. He draws that type of anatomy on a lot of his women. Jim Balliant and his wife Holly Golightly, the creators of Terror Witch of the Black Rose, when he draws women in panties, which if you ever read the comic book, most of the women in the comic book wear nothing but panties and some form of body armor. He draws the kind of anatomy down below. Or, when they're nude, he draws the full, as much as he's going to give them for lower half anatomy. Yeah, so he draws correct anatomy. He doesn't give them, you know, Barbie vaginas. Right. I'm cool like, with it. That's right, that's right. Okay. There's, no. uh, there's a lot of pages before we actually get to an ad, I think. Yep. Oh, wait, no, okay. So, right across from the ad, sorry, right across from the page in the floppy that has the girl busting her shirt open from looking like a, you know, cute librarian or conservative, you know, high school girl to a full-on, uh, you know, girls gone naughty chick, there is an ad for G.I. Joe Valor vs. Venom, a direct-to-DVD G.I. Joe animated movie. I got this when it came out, and I absolutely loved it. This was really, really cool. And the first G.I. Joe animated feature to come out in years. The reason why this is in the comic book is because Devil's Due Press was publishing G.I. Joe at the time, which Tim Seeley was writing. Oh, very cool. So we flip ahead a little bit more. And again, this comic book does not have a lot of ads, which is great. So that that's really cool. It's nice to have a 48-page comic book, which, by the way, this issue and the last issue we didn't mention cost four ninety five. For 48 pages, a comic book for 48 pages from Marvel, DC, or IDW normally costs almost 8 to $10. Well, it was published as a one-shot, wasn't it? So isn't that seems pretty average, right? True, maybe, but it all depends on the company sometimes. Ah, oh, that's a good point. So then we have Devil Do uh, News or News. They spell News, N-U-E-S, and then N-E-W-S. And it just goes through a breakdown of stuff coming out from Devil's Do Press. Some of it which already gone and kind of gone over last month, such as G.I. Joe versus... Uh, Transformers Volume 2, Defects, Street Fighter, Deathstalkers. Not a lot of new material. There's a new ad for G.I. Joe Reloaded, Issue 9, A Traitor Walks Among Them, which I think they revealed the traitor to be Duke in this kind of G.I. Joe re Reloaded reimagining story. A lot of people did not like mm -hmm. that. Then oh. we have G.I. Joe Real American Hero. This is the continuing comic book from the Marvel comic series. Not to be confused with mm -hmm. IDW's continuing comic book from the Marvel comic book series, which picks up the original numbering. Just two separate universes continuing from Marvel Comics. This one happens to be written by Tim Seeley. Oh, 
very nice. Then we have a comic book, The Blade of Kimura, written by Ron Mars, who is a good friend of mine and come on my show a couple times. He is uh, currently writing, he was currently writing Skylander comic books based on the video game. Then we have a com- <laughs> then we have a comic strip for Infantry, which I never read, and then G.I. Joe vs. Transformers 2, Issue 3, which is co-written by Tim Seeley, or drawn by Tim Seeley. It just lists him as a credit, but I don't remember what he did on this, so uh, I will have to look that up. But I absolutely loved the G.I. Joe versus Transformers. It was kind of its own independent universe. And then on the back of the comic oh, book, cool. we have a quote from Robert Kirkman. Hack Slash is funky and fresh, fresh and funky, and all the combinations of the words fresh and funky. For all those people out there who enjoy good slasher flick and love a bad one, this book is for you. It takes every aspect that makes those movies entertaining and puts them in one place. One big happy place. I highly recommend it. Robert Kirkman, writer of The Walking Dead and Marvel Team Up. Very, very awesome. Robert Kirkman, of course, will appear in the next issue of Hack Slash, Getting Killed. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you get when you're friends with Tim, I guess. Apparently so. You know, speaking... Speaking of, like, quotes and clips and stuff, in the back of the um, Omnibus, there's actually a really cool quote by Randy, Randy Lander from ComicPants.com. And he says, Hack Slash is what Buffy might have been if it had been created by Wes Craven and Rob Zombie instead of Joss Whedon. Which I think is very fitting, very accurate. Now, there's some hack... Um, th- uh, this issue... You know, there's a lot of beach-themed horror. Um, the Mutilator, Blood Beach, The Horror of Party Beach, Piranha, Piranha 3D, all come to mind. Some of which I've seen, some of which I haven't seen, none of which are very good, by the way. <laughs> no, I was trying to, like, as we were coming up for this issue, I was trying to sit there and think of, like, all of the, you know, beach-themed horror movies that I've seen. And other than, like, the ones that you just mentioned that I kind of Googled and found, the only other like big beachy murder movie that I could think of was Broken Lizards Club Dread. Yeah, that's actually a really good one. That <laughs> is a really good one. And that uh I think that's a highly underrated horror comedy. It is. It is absolutely hilarious. At least I think so. But that might just be because I like, you know, lived around that kind of environment, beach and whatnot. I just wanted to mention that in the back of the omnibus when we have the uh profiles of the killers, we have the Cassie's notes down at the bottom and she actually has a really I think poignant little note about Laura and what she says is um, we find out that Laura's last name is Locks, but she says Laura Locks was the kind of chick I hated in high school. Well off, pretty, snotty. Turns out I hate that kind of chick even more when they command undead priests and try to shoot me. Maybe worst of all, her pain made her almost relatable. Kind of scary that it took loony Laura to make me relate to girls like that. And I don't know. I thought that was a very, little bit of an insight into Cassie and her personality when she talks about like not being able to relate to other girls, etc. But apparently she can relate to this crazy girl, Laura, and her pain. Aw, poor girl. Your boyfriend went and screwed someone in a wet t-shirt contest. Join the club. That's like a hundred other chicks. Nobody else is raising priests from the dead to seek vengeance. If you had been murder nurse, hack slash burlesque, (laughs) there was a hack slash burlesque show. What? Yep. What happened to it? That sounds amazing. It was in 2012. Go, oh, that was so long ago. Oh, it was by Cosplay Burlesque. I'm not hey, going to play the sound or the audio that. from it right now because we're having some audio problems. We're getting stuff off YouTube. But yeah, sure enough, I'm going to describe it for you. A girl comes out looking <laughs> exactly like the way you think Cassie would look live action, dancing across the stage. She places the bat between her legs. She twirls it around. She's got cut-ups and marks all over her, and she is clo- slowly taking 
off her clothes. Doing splits and uh, seduction on the chair like a stripper would or a burlesque dancer would. Slowly taking off her belt, her skirt. It is pretty awesome to see. And it is completely on YouTube because it is also clothed, as by the way. This is not pornography. Uh, if you're not familiar with what a burlesque show is, then um, you know, educate yourself. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is pretty <laughs> sexy. She gears all the way down. She's got like fake blood like all over her, too. Very, I see. I think that would be sexy. Yeah, so you can be bloody up, and sexy at the same time. So look up Murder Nurse hack slash, hack slash Burlesque, and you can watch this video as well. Again, watch it with the sound on. I'm not uh, going to play the sound from it just because we've been having some sound audio problems with the internet tonight. Uh, might be because of the storm that we have overhead. I don't really know for sure, but she's got... Uh, oh, she has uh, things on her nipples as well to cover her nipples up. Little. Because the nipple is the most offensive thing, right? Oh, of course. Oh, no, only girl nipple. Your nipple's fine. I can't show my nipple. Mine's offensive. By the way, they also do Lollipop Chainsaw as a burlesque show. <gasps> oh, we're going to oh, have to save see? that. Uh, we're going to have to save that gasp that you just did <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Oh, oh. oh, but anyways, I was going to mention, speaking of the bat, did you notice that her bat shows up in the uh one of the pinups that i described to you but we haven't seen it in the comic yet have we no no you yourself have a bat don't you i do i do it was made for me i love it you gotta put on some goth girl clothes of any kind it doesn't have to be exactly what cassie <laughs> wears but any kind of goth girl clothes and and take a picture with the bat like swinging it around i will i've actually thought about it but i think i really need to get a wig because the hair really throws it off having the red hair i need black like cassie hair do you know when her bat like for, makes its first like actual appearance in the comics i might but we might save it for when it actually makes its first appearance well does this does the pinup not count fine okay boo rain yeah. on my parade sorry sorry <laughs> Well, that's pretty much all the notes I have here tonight, and we went over, of course, like what movies we think that uh, this was inspired by. Beach-themed horror movies are not always a big thing for me, and the only one I ever always re- reference is Jaws, but that's about a killer shark, and we get to a shark Yeah, there's later not too on. many, like, slasher ones. Right, I right. can think of plenty that are, you know, like a creature or something, you know, like the sand, Jaws. Even I Know What You Did last summer, too, they were on like a beachy island, but it still didn't really relate to the beach. It was more like in the hotel. So, yeah, someone needs to work on that. Mm. But that one you mentioned, uh, Club Dread, was definitely perfect. Yes. Also, yes. Scream, the Scream TV series Halloween special, I think, took place at a beach. I didn't watch that. I'll work on that. <laughs> I was still, like, lamenting a whole Scream world without Nev Campbell. I didn't really, I couldn't get into it. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can at GothGirlHorror. You can find us on our individual Twitters as well at ChrisDSAV. And I am Mad But Magic. Magic is spelled M-A-J-Y-K. We'd like to thank everybody for helping us contribute to this episode with little tidbits of information. Make sure to tune in two weeks from now for our discussion about our next issue of Hack Slash called Comic Book Carnage. Here on the Goth Girl Horror Hack Slash podcast. Thank you, everybody. And your listening pleasure, the song Hack Slash by the band Monster Mob from their album Return of the Creature. We will be playing the song in its entirety for this episode. In future episodes, we will be using clips from the song for our ending theme for Goth Girl Horror, the Hack Slash podcast. <laughs> Gonna start tonight Let the villains know That she's looking for a fight Ah! Ah!
Give him a bloody kiss. 